Thanks, Joel. Good morning. Good to be with you this morning and um, to lead you in the Word. And um, for those of you, I think everybody here knows me. For those of you, if you're there and you don't know me, my name's Andrew. And it's uh, my privilege to serve together with a great bunch of leaders in this church and um, with a great bunch of people in the church as well. And um, that does make the job a whole lot easier. Seriously. So thank you very much. And, you know, we're going to finish this morning um, our snapshot look at Hebrews. We've, um, we've looked at Hebrews for the last, I think this will be the fifth week. Yep. And um, it's totally not enough to look at Hebrews, but we're going to finish our snapshot this morning. And um, we've got some good stuff and some exciting stuff coming up this year in our preaching as well. And you'll hear more about that. But before we do that, I'm going to get you to open the, your Bibles. And we're just going to read a couple of verses this morning in Hebrews chapter 12. And um, I'm going to be reading out of the NIV this morning. So it'll be on the screen in the NIV. And um, you can read along in your, on your phones or whatever you have with you. And um, this is a little bit of a follow-on from, from last week. You might remember I spoke about how the writer was in, encouraging the Hebrews. And he, he, I read that whole wash list of people. Didn't I? That whole, that whole chapter, I didn't feel like I could leave any of it out of all these, these heroes of the faith and just the, the motivation that they had to serve and continue to serve. And right off the back of that, um, this is what he says in the first three verses of Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, now I do this every time, but when you read therefore, you've got to ask, what is it? Exactly. Therefore, you know, and, and he might have had a breather or a break and he gets back from after lunch. He says, so... What I was telling you before, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And that's as far as we're going to read this morning. And um, great encouragement. He's continuing to encourage them. And um, yeah, about this time of the year, I would normally have a tennis analogy in my sermon. And last week I was challenged and I was asked by somebody... Why have I not done a tennis analogy yet? Well, it's only halfway through the open, right? So it's not time yet. Who's been watching the tennis? I know you have. <laughs> yeah. Who's been losing sleep because they're watching the tennis? I know you have, yeah. Big game tonight. I don't think I'm going to be able to see it. <laughs> but I have been watching a bit of it this week and... You know, who didn't get behind our Aussies? How many of us sort of thought, wow, this is really great? Okay, halfway through the week. I'm speaking the first half of the week now. You know, but who didn't get behind some of our Australian players and, and you know, Ash Barty and, and some of those? They really rose to the occasion. I think, you know, the challenge to play some of the bigger players saw them lift, you know, um, saw them get better at what they were doing against the big guns. And it made me remember when I played tennis, not so long ago, but when I was younger and I played tennis and we trained... I always wanted to train with the A-graders. Mind you, they probably didn't want to train with me. But I always wanted to train with the A-graders. The reason I wanted to, and I'm serious, the reason I wanted to do that is because I tried harder. I pushed myself because I wanted to impress them. I wanted to do better. And it actually worked. 
you know, if I was playing tennis and Federer turned up, or Ashbardi, or even if they just turned up to watch, you know, I guarantee that I would try a little harder. I would push a little harder. I'd take some more risks. I would go a little harder. If you were playing soccer and Ronaldo rocked up to play in your team, that's Ronaldo's impressive, right? Okay. <laughs> I could have said Wade, and you would have gone, wow. You know, turn up to play in your team or just to watch your team play. I guarantee you'd lift your game. I guarantee the team would lift their game. You know, or Cahill or someone like that. You'd try harder. You'd run just a, a little bit faster than normal. You'd push a little bit more. You'd focus just a little bit more. You'd persevere. You know, and that's sport, but there's other analogies. You know, just, hey, just let me shine a spotlight on, on our um, wonderful Johan there. You know, who, who saw Facebook? Is he, who saw, you know, we're in the presence of greatness this morning. I said that to someone, you know. <laughs> but seriously, you know, when you see something like that, when, you know, for those of you that don't know, Johan was yesterday, yesterday awarded Knox Citizen of the Year. And I think that's it, yeah. But I think when you look, you think, you know, that's, that's, that's fantastic. That's a great example. And, and you rise to the challenge. How could I serve more? How could I give more to the community, to the, to the soccer club, to the church, to the places that I am? Because when we see someone that, that succeeds or is good, we rise to the challenge. You know, and this is what the writer to the Hebrews was doing in, in chapter 11 when I was talking last week. And, and now he's saying, so since we are surrounded, since all that stuff is around you, and he says, you know, you're in good company, successful and effective company. Now comes the encouragement to persevere, doesn't it? Persevere. You see, they, the, the, the readers or the Hebrew uh, followers of Christ or the way and the writer knew that there was stuff to be done, that there was change that was going to happen. There was things to be worked out and there was perhaps some hard or challenging work or, or trials ahead. And they would need to hang in there. They would need to do the hard yards. And, um, you know, and, and they had the great examples now. The writer just told them, but, but how? What, what does it look like? And definitely the motivator and the engine would be faith, as we talked about last week and as we looked at the heroes in chapter 11. But it would also take work. Even the people who look back at the heroes of the faith, it took work, didn't it? as it did for them. And so he explains succinctly what it could look like in these three verses. And that's why I didn't want to read any more than these three verses. Here's what you have to do. And you can do it because you're surrounded by greatness. You know, none of us here, and I'm thinking when I'm, I'm doing this message, none of us sitting here, and those of us that are away this weekend or on holidays, none of us in this family are just observers or spectators. You don't get to do that in the kingdom. And that struck me this week. You know, so the message is to all of us to persevere. You know, there, there's no, I don't read any middle line in the word in, in, when, you work for the king, when you're in the kingdom. And so this is for all of us, this encouragement. As we look at our year ahead and as we step up in faith to work, to serve, to follow, uh, to build or, or whatever it is we're doing, these are really great words for us to consider as well. 
And I think in these three verses, there are three things that he, that he says that are, that are really important for us, three important things for us to focus on. And, and Scott in the kids' talk focused on one of them. But I want to just put, shine a light on three things. Throw off the things that get in the way. He uses the word hinder, you know, the things that hinder you. Number one is throw off the things that hinder you. Number two is run with perseverance. Don't just run, run with perseverance. And number three is focus on and consider Jesus. And so I want to have a quick look at those three things. And back to the first one, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And this language that he was using was actually in the original Greek was sport language, was like what like speaking to a marathon runner. You know, the Greek custom before a race was to radically strip off as many clothes as possible for a race so there would be nothing that would slow you down. And get rid of it because it would slow you down. And, and this is the picture that the writer tries to paint. And it's a picture for us as, as, as we look ahead as we serve. You know, what are the things, you know, to, to challenge to us is to throw off the things that, that hinder us and, and the sin that gets us every time. He uses the word, and the sin that entangles. And there's this sense where... Um, Sin that entangles is, is old language. If you go back to the old language, it was called besetting sin. So that's a really old word. Anyone ever heard the word besetting? Yeah, if you've been around for a long time, you, you're beset by something. And the, 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 the emphasis there is, he says, throw off the sin that entangles, or in the original language, besetting sin. That's, that's something that traps you, or something that hangs on to you, or that is manipulating or controlling you and recurring. It's besetting. It's almost... Uh, another word for besetting is almost um, owning, if you like. So he uses that legend, throw off the sin that entangles. And he's being very specific. Specific sin that gets you time and time again. Sin that, think about things, sin that so easily gets you. There are sins that have an easy time trapping me. And you may not might have any issue with them. And yet there are sins that have a very easy time trapping you. And you know what they are. And I may not have an issue with them. But what are they when you think about this? When you think about when the writer says, you know, if you're going to run this race, throw off the sin that so easily entangles, the things that easily get you all the time. Do you know them? Can you recognize them and can you work against them? Can you see them? Are you aware of them or do they sneak up on you and, and trip you up when you're not looking? Because that's the kind of language he's using, isn't it? Can you see how they slow you down? Can you see how, or even worse, how they stop you midway? We know things like you know, lust, pride, negativity, anger, lying, and, and all that sort of stuff. But there are many other subtle things, aren't there? Things like greed and selfishness and laziness or not being consistent or unreliable or giving up or pulling out and, and all those sorts of things. What are the things that easily get you? What are the things that are not honoring God, the sins that easily get you? We need to work them out of our life because they ruin our game. They ruin our race. They destroy it. A tennis player, you're going to get a lot of tennis this morning now, after you nailed me last week, you're going to get a lot. But a tennis player would be silly if there was a thing that they did time and time again that ruined their game. If there's one thing that they did that time and time again, the coach says, when you do that, it, you lose the game. And what if they didn't work on sorting that out or not committing that error? What if they just continued on? 
even if it was something they defaulted to a lot, what if they didn't make an effort to get rid of that? You would, they'd be a loser. They wouldn't get anywhere in tennis, would they? We need to do the same. That besetting sin, that sin that easily entangles you or easily entangles me, that thing that, that stops me easily, it will ruin the fruit of our work. It'll slow us down at the very least. Remember, there are the sins that you fall into easily and can be seemingly even small or innocent, comforting and tricky, but they lull us into a false sense of security. And in the end, we fail. But the writer just doesn't talk about throwing off sin. Did you notice that he talks about things that hinder? And it's separate from sin. He says the things that hinder and the sin that so easily entangles. So what does he mean by that? What are the things that hinder? <clears throat> and so I looked up hinder, even though we kind of know what it means. Um, and the definition, making it difficult to do something or for something to happen. And some synonyms, hamper. Weigh down, obstruct, impede, inhibit, retard, balk, thwart, foil, baffle, curb. Shall I go on? Arrest, interfere with, slow down, hold back, stop, halt. All this, that's, that's what hinder is. And he says, anything that hinders you. Now, he's not talking about sin yet. Says, and the sin, isn't it? What are some of the things that hinder? Literally, what is the weight that's slowing you down? What's thwarting you? What's delaying your obedience or holding you back or stopping you from responding to God's call? What is the distraction? might not be a sin. might be something seemingly good even. Good for others, but maybe not good for you. Perhaps it's a habit or a hobby that takes way too much of your time. Maybe it's a social structure or a social context that, that costs you way too much of your energy and resources or your work and your career and your business that, that hinders you from doing what God calls you because it takes so much of your time. Maybe they're life goals you've got as a, as a young person or you know, things that you want to achieve, adventure, travel. Maybe it's tradition. Maybe it's systems and structures. You know, I think we need to think through not just sin because sin's really obvious. Sin is missing the mark and sin is things that we know, you know, hang on. <coughs> sin is things that we know are wrong. What are the things that, that community our life and tell us that are perhaps not wrong, they're right, but they are capturing too much of us. They're hindering us from the kingdom, hindering us from doing what God might be calling us to do. Do you know, one of the things, and I think I've mentioned this up here once before, and as a youth pastor in another context, I spent quite a lot of time with young guys that were right at the, the cusp of perhaps getting married or they found the one and they're, they're busy wondering whether to get married and whether to, you know, and I had one or two that were also really passionate about missions in the early days of Hope Builders. And the big struggle was that they wanted to spend money on and doing mission stuff, but their families were saying, no, you've got to buy a block of land. You've got to save up enough money first. You've got to do this first. Seemingly good things, and they're good things, aren't they? But are they the best? Something that hinders you is something that stops you from the best. A good thing is not always a God thing. Do some of the things that we and the world might see as good act as weights or hindrances? Are there things that cause you to lay aside the call or distract you from serving God and his people? You know, it's radical talk. When you talk like this, it's, it is radical, isn't it? Oh, thanks, man. Look at that. Nothing hindered this. 
It is radical, and it was radical in the day of the Hebrews as well, isn't it? Because they were struggling, and, and he was really nailing them. He was saying, you know, you've got to focus. You've got to you know, get rid of the things that stop you. But it's a matter of life, and it has to do with finishing and finishing well. And that's true for us as well. And that's why the writer is encouraging the Hebrews, and that's why he's encouraging us with these words. So throw off the things that hinder and the sin that easily grabs you and easily can distract you and ruin your race. Then he says, run with perseverance the race marked out for us, for you. This was a command to a Greek runner. Now that all the unnecessary weight and hindrance is gone, run with perseverance. You know, go. You know, and, and they would use the word not just run, but run with perseverance. Why with perseverance? Because like today, back then, there was a well-known phenomenon called hitting the wall. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, particularly for marathon runners, particularly for people that are doing the long haul. About midway in a race, a marathon, in a marathon, a runner could or would hit the wall, and that's where they would have to dig deep. You know, last night, if you, anyone watched the tennis last night? Osaka had to dig deep at the end of the second set, didn't she? She kind of, I thought it was over. She looked like she'd hit the wall and wasn't going to come back from it. But they'd have to dig deep and they would have to use perseverance because the mind and the body would make up every excuse to quit. And any invitation or any temptation to give up at this point is dangerous. And that's why he uses that language, run with perseverance, not just run. Because there's a time when you're going to hit the wall. There's a time when it's going to be overwhelming. It's going to be too much. And, you know, any excuse and your, your mind will tell you, look, you've done enough. Someone else can do it from now on. You've been doing this for how many years? I've been signed up for this for how long? It's time for me to stop. You know, someone else can, you know, there'll be all sorts of self-talk. There'll be all sorts of things when you hit the wall. And you're saying, no, run with perseverance. The race marked out. For you, not someone else's race. You're not going to run someone else's race. You're running yours. It isn't somebody else's. Perseverance in the spiritual sense is kind of a patient fortitude, slogging it out at times, actually. You know, each of us has a specific race mapped out for us, determined by God. He factors in things like who you are, your gifts, your background, your age, your health, your responsibilities, your family, and most of all, who you are in Christ. You know, each of us has a race marked out for us. Your race is not exactly the same as someone else's. And theirs is not exactly like yours. Some races are straight. Some have turns and twists. Some are up long hills. Some are flat. And they're not always equal, are they? I may not be able to run your course. And you might find mine impossible. But the great thing is, I can finish the race marked out for me and you can finish the race marked out for you. We can both finish well if we rely on him, who is our strength, for faith and for perseverance when we hit the wall. We can. You know, Paul said this, you know, he said in 2 Timothy 4 verse 7, he said, I have fought the good fight, I've finished the race and I've kept the faith. He understood this sense that I had this race to run and I did it through Christ who lives in me. Depending on God, there's no doubt we can finish the race marked out for us. And just a little note here. Notice that perseverance or success has nothing to do with giftedness. You know, sometimes we make that mistake. 
Perseverance has nothing to do with giftedness, but it has to do with your heart. It has to do with your heart to finish the race and your faith to finish the race. So, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily gets you and so easily entangles you. Run with perseverance. When you hit the wall, when it gets hard, when it's tough, run with perseverance and keep going. And a third thing I think he says to us this morning, and he's saying to his listeners there, focus on and consider Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. Focus is really important, isn't it, in anything. And I'm going to do a, I could do a great tennis analogy here and I'm going to do another tennis analogy. Focus is really important. In tennis, skill and stamina, especially in long, hard matches, is important. But in the end, they all will say they need to stay focused all the time. In fact, I was reading some stats about Rafael Nadal this, this week and how he is almost, um, what's the word they use, um, surgical in his destroying of, of another player, even a weaker player. And he, he, have you ever watched him play? He never looks happy. You know, he never... And, but they interviewed him and they said, well, what's it like, Rafa, when you're playing someone that's you know, rated, rank, ranked 100 and you're number one or two and, and you, you're so many points ahead, do you kind of relax a bit? And he says, I never relax, never, ever. There is not a point I ever play that I would consider minor. He said, I never lose focus. I never think I can just kick back for a minute. I always stay 100% focused. Shows in his game, doesn't it? They've got to be focused. You know, they've got to watch the balls, the lines, the opponents. But mentally, they fix their eyes on the goal. They know what they're going for. And for the Hebrews, they were to focus on Jesus. And for us, we're to focus on Jesus. Look to him and his life. Like a player in a competition, every obstacle was thrown in the path of Jesus, wasn't it? Just like a good, a good you know, an, op- an opponent of someone like Rafa Nadal, everything's thrown at them, every crazy shot or every hard shot. You know, I was commenting to someone, sometimes they serve it, when I was at the tennis this year, they serve it so hard, I would be wondering, have they hit it yet? You know, I'm thinking, I didn't see that, you know. Everything was thrown into Jesus' path, yet he never stumbled and he finished the race, didn't he? And just as well, he finished the race for us. Jesus is our example too, and he must be our focus. Not just who he was, but also what he did and how he did things. I think that's important. How did Jesus respond to pressure, to challenge? How he remained steady, even when he got tired and wanted to give up. You remember how he was really tired and he wanted to do it you know, in a boat? Oh, please take me across the water. Um, He remained steady. You know, what or who was his inspiration? What was his source? Well, we know it was the Father. We know there was never a millisecond that he didn't trust his Father, resting everything in his heavenly Father. He spoke about that. Jesus, what a great person to focus on for us. What a great example. He knew what his mission was. He knew what his Father had asked him to do. And even when it got tough, and it did, didn't it? He tapped into the love and the support of his Father and he focused on his Heavenly Father. Who do you focus on when things get tough, when things get harder? 
You know, as I typed that question this week and I started thinking myself, you know, I have to be really honest. And, you know, my tendency is when things get hard or tough, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I can get really introspective. I can start looking at myself or, you know, you, you gather into yourself and, and become me focused, how it's affecting me, how I feel, how I'm experiencing it, or maybe what's in it for me, why is it so hard? You know, and I'm sure perhaps the Hebrews were the same. But the writer is saying, guys, no, <clears throat> fix your eyes on Jesus and you won't stumble. In the Greek sense, it literally meant deliberately lift your eyes from other distracting things and focus with utter concentration on him and keep doing that. Let me say that again. Deliberately lift your eyes from other distracting things. Focus with utter concentration on him and keep doing that. Don't look away for even a second. That's tough. But it can be costly. I read this story this week and I wanted to read it to you. And I'll read you the, the, um, <coughs> the, the shorter version. On August the 7th, 1954, during the British Empire Games in Vancouver, Canada, the greatest mile-run matchup ever took place. It was touted as the Miracle Mile because Roger Bannister and John Landy were the only two in the world of the sub-four-minute milers to be able to run four-minute miles. Bannister had been the first man ever to run a four-minute mile and both runners were in peak condition for this race. Roger Bannister, MD, who is today Sir Roger Bannister, and a master of Oxford College, strategized that he would relax during the third lap <coughs> and save everything for his finishing drive. But as they began that third lap, John Landy poured it on, stretching his already substantial lead. Well, immediately Bannister adjusted his strategy, increasing his pace and gaining on Landy. The lead was quickly cut in half, and the bell for the final lap, and at the bell for the final lap, they were even. Landy began running even faster, and Bannister followed suit. Both men were flying. Bannister felt like he was going to lose if Landy didn't slow down. Then came that famous moment, replayed thousands of times in print and on photos. As at the last stride before the home stretch, the crowds were roaring. Landy, because of the crowds roaring, could not hear Bannister's footfall, and so he looked back. A fatal lapse of concentration. Bannister launched his attack and won that miracle yard race by five yards. Isn't that a great example of you just need a split second to look back and it costs you the race? Don't look away. But there's an added angle to focus as well. We need to focus on what Jesus was focused on as well. Focus on his focus, I call it. Fix your eyes on Jesus, but focus on his focus in two ways. The things he focused on here on earth, his focus on mercy, compassion, love, care, justice, <clears throat> the lost, the hurting, and the oppressed. Look at what he valued, what he gave value to, what he focused on, where he was passionate, for a good identification of what we should. Not just energy and effort, <clears throat> but time, resources, lifestyle. Focus on what Jesus focused on. When we're running our race and we're fixing our eyes on Jesus, 
Look at what he felt was important and make those things important for us as well. What might that mean for you? What might that mean for One Hope? How do you think that would shape your race if you focused on Jesus' focus, on the things that he was passionate about? But the other thing is, the second thing is, Jesus had an eternal focus, didn't he? And we should focus on that as well. For the joy set before him, he endured suffering. What was that joy? That was life with his father forever, wasn't it? And eternity and the joy of redeeming you and I. And the joy of life with his father and with you and I. He suffered imaginably for that joy. That was his focus, you and I. The Bible says that we're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might also share in his glory. If we will focus on the joy that Christ sets before us, that same kind of joy, you know, it's, odd using, you know, it's odd using the word joy for the things that Jesus had to go through. But if we will focus on the joy that Christ has set before us, the joy of being with him, the joy of eternity, we will endure the hard yards of this world. We'll see them as nothing and we will run the race to his glory. Like tennis in any sport, as we serve God, focus is imperative and it helps. And we see, and we can see this morning, that we have an excellent example to focus on and to guide us. So I entitled this sermon, Encourage to Persevere? Question <clears> mark. <throat> No one said it was always going to be easy. In fact, there's decent acknowledgement in the word that it can be hard. Even in the word we see that. And the word acknowledges that. And I'm sure the Hebrew church felt it. But we can have hope and we can have confidence. We're surrounded by ripper examples, aren't we? Both in the word and even in our world in recent history and even in this room. We're surrounded right here at One Hope by great examples and great encouragers all around us. Great leaders of all of our different ministries. Great friends and people that have served God and put their shoulders to the wheel with us. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses from the Bible to the world to right down to next door. Right down to the people sitting next to you. And like Joel reminded us two weeks back, we're encouraged to stir each other up. And you're surrounded by people around you. We're encouraged to stir each other up. Stand with each other and say, you know, keep going. You can do this. This is great that God's using you in this way. When it's tough, come on, I'm praying for you. And we know that by faith, something, like I said last week, something way beyond ourselves, supernatural, we can persevere. And we know that the, now this morning, we know that the things that we can do to help us are to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that really grabs us we can run with perseverance when the going gets tough when we hit the wall we can push through and we can focus on jesus and focus on his focus which of those is your challenge which of those is your challenge this year when you think of the year ahead or you think of the year in in church or in work or in family wherever it is which of those is a challenge for you 
You know, do you have troubles? You know, do you have things that hinder you, that, that take away your attention, your time, or are there those things, those sins that so easily grab you that you fall back into time and time again? Do you hit the wall and think, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. This is just too hard. When you're running along really great and someone or something takes the wind out of your sails, you think, oh, I don't want to do this. Do you have trouble focusing on Jesus and fixing your eyes on him? Do you get distracted? Do you, do you look at yourself? Do you look at things around you? Do you get pushed off track really easy? What is your challenge this year? I'm going to give you just a 30 seconds just to think on those three things. Throwing off hindrances and sin, running with perseverance and focusing. Then I want you to get together with two other people and I'm going to make this not too easy. So you've got to get together with two other people that are not family and not within a cooey of your generation. Okay, cooey's are, you know. There's got to be at least, there's got to be a generational mix. Let's get some young people mixed with some old people. And I want you just to... Just to share with each other, you know, this, this would be really good. This one, this one catches me every time. It would be really good for me to do that this year. And I want you to pray with one another. So that means it's going to require moving around a little bit. Those of you that feel really comfortable in the back, you might want to find someone in the front. Those of you that love the anointing here at the front, because this is where it is, everybody, you know, you might want to go to the back. So I'm going to give us 30 minutes of silence, 30 seconds of silence, 30 minutes of silence, and I'll hear snoring after a while. 30 seconds of silence, and then I'm going to say go, and I want you to find two other people, and we're going to spend a few minutes praying with each other, okay? Let's do that now. Heavenly Father, we um, want to thank you again this morning for this morning. I want to thank you for reminding us that we are surrounded by such a great group of, of, of people, crowned by a great cloud of witnesses. But Lord, we want to pray, we want to thank you that the one that we look at, you, Jesus, are the greatest example to follow. And Lord, we want to pray that, that you would enable us to throw off as we look ahead, to, to throw off the things that, that hinder us, that, that slow us down, the sin that easily grabs us, Lord, we pray. Holy Spirit, we pray for that dynamic work in us to help us, to, be, to remind us and to help us to, to be able to put those things off. We pray, Lord, for the, the, the power that you give us to run with perseverance. We pray, Lord, for the courage to run when the going gets tough. We pray, Lord that we would fix our eyes on you, Jesus. We would pray that we would fix our eyes on what you fix your eyes on and that we would share that same prize that you had and that we would serve you with gladness. God, we thank you that you uh, encourage us time and time again. And we thank you for the family that you gives us, give us that encourages us time and time again and that you do that through those that we love. And we praise you and we pray that all this would be, the things that we do personally, the things that we do as a community would be for and to your glory, that the world would know 
that you really do live. Amen. We're going to finish with a song this morning. If you would like someone to pray with you or you want to pray with someone or talk to someone, come and see us at the front here afterwards or grab someone during the coffee break or whatever. I want to encourage you also, um, we're, going to, we're going to clean up this place after because school starts again. So if you haven't had a look over there yet, uh, you, you've got to have a look over there at what we as a community are thankful for in our community. It's a wonderful testimony. That is a great cloud of witnesses right there. Now, I do believe we have photos or we have that and we're going to... Yes, someone said they had photos. Did you have it? No? I didn't see it on Facebook. But we actually we might produce it and send it out in a, a thing for people to see. But have a look at it and um, allow that to encourage you this morning before it comes down. Thank you, Donna.